Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. What the H is a deal on a Honda? Search Honda Offers to find out about our great deals. Head to Subway and try the new hot-grilled paninis. Here's Rioli, the steal, the ignore of the teammate, but it doesn't matter. Indigenous night, he's kicked the goal, he's back, Willie. Harms to Oliver, he kept on going, gives it to Hunt, they've got the 60. Oliver for another time for a four, handballs it back to Hunt. The open goal is there. What a goal! On relay through the middle of Optus Stadium, and the Demons are in this, and they are back in front. Clayton Oliver take a big, big bow. She got a man out there. It's Shuey. Snaps from 35. Bending, bending, bending back into Guti. They needed that. He's just going for broke. He's going long. Watch out for Liam Ryan. Flying as he does on a Friday night. Scream for Liam. What a mark in the goal front for Liam Ryan. Sydney stack style spiral until the front of the square. It's ball rolling. It's rolling. Frost will get back. Oh no! Oh no, Frosty! He's laid the tackle of the day! And now he's at the stumble of the day! And he's cost himself the game! He's cost a goal and possibly the game's been nice. Darling is toe poked and through! And Frost has fallen over! And everyone thought the Premiers were done and dusted. They've won three in a row and they've come from behind to beat. A gutsy demons on the back of some brilliance from Liam Ryan, the Eagles home by 16 points. I thought Melbourne just came over and threw everything at us. So it was we couldn't stop their ball movement, their speed, and the way that they attacked the corridor it was something we we prepared for. But to, to shut it down was really difficult. That was a concern, but I thought the boys handled it quite well in the end. And in the last quarter, we you know, it was just a tough, hard slog. So we're really, really proud of our players. A slog it might have been, but the Eagles hit the high notes with a withering finish to claim the honours of Friday Night Football. Coach Adam Simpson is our headline guest. We've probably been building over the last, you know, four weeks in terms of how we played. And now again tonight, you know, we gave ourselves plenty of opportunities in the way we played. And But, you know, our accuracy hurt us in the end, you know, and that left the door ajar. And, and West Coast, to their credit, were good enough to walk through it. It was one of our better performances in where we're going, yeah, you know. It was a young group that travelled to Perth um, and they showed a lot of fight, a lot of resilience and, and played in the right way. They come home without the points, but Melbourne restore some faith, giving their all to keep the embers of their season glowing. Intentional conduct with the raised forearm, usually consistent, but it's an intentional act. There was insufficient force to constitute a reportable offence. I've made lifelong friends and memories that I'll cherish forever. I'll always be a richer man than my brother. This is confusing to the point where, you know, we've written to the AFL, we feel there needs to be greater clarity on something like this. What a cock and bull explanation this is. This is 50 shades of nonsense. This is completely cocoa bananas. Excuse me. 
I personally thank Tom for his contribution. Um, he'll always be uh, remembered as a, as a Bulldogs legend. The emotional notes of a rather peculiar week that may have driven the odd person to their wits' ends. We'll try to make sense of it all in the crunch. It's the election day issue of crunch time for Honda. What the H is the deal on a Honda? What the H is the deal on a few things? Search Honda offers to find out about our great deals and head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Vote early and vote often. Pick up your democracy sausage on the way out and focus in on all that is making news in footy on crunch time. Jared Waitley with you in the aftermath. Well, last night contained so much. It was brilliantly captured there by Hutto and Tim Gossage. Oh, Frosty's moment on the goal line. You've got to have nerves of steel sometimes to just hold it together in this game, David King. <laughs> I love Frosty. I love him, then I hate him, then I love him, then I hate him. <laughs> he, he has had a, he's had a fantastic season, barring about eight of the biggest cock-ups you've ever seen. Um, was that the gold medal of them? <laughs> that was the gold medal. That's going to be hard to beat all year. That's a big one. Yeah, it's a big one. Um, it was a good game. It was a fascinating game last night. Melbourne just wanted to play through the corridor. They were aggressive. They, they challenged the West Coast to defend, and at times they looked hopeless. I mean, that handball chain... You know, constantly coming out of the back line. Um, Melbourne, they just couldn't finish their work. At one point during the second quarter, it should have been a five-goal margin, and the whole game changes. The confidence mm. levels build. But it was an awesome performance in the end by a couple of senior key players at the West Coast. So credit to, all credit to them. And Bob Murphy, when it was most needed, when the game was at its tenses there, was Liam Ryan soaring up above them all. We've got some kind of a race, Jared, for, for Mark of the Year. We might chat a bit about that later. I, I don't think we've ever had a, a bottleneck of of players who are – they've almost got the Olympic creed of higher, faster, stronger. They're, they're all – they're going for it. So, Liam Ryan, what a what an amazing highlight that was. Amongst, amongst quite a few last night. And Kane Corns rounds out our team on crunch time. There, there wasn't a man up a post, Kane, but there was plenty to pull apart from Friday night footy. Yeah, not as much to talk about as last week, Jared, and not as much debate uh, potentially, but uh, I've listened, I know on 360 you do the, the quad call or the, the different calls. I've listened to maybe four or five different calls from that Lee and Ryan Mark last night from Channel 7 to AFL Nation. Hutto nailed it. ABC nailed it, and it was just a, an unbelievable moment. And... Uh, bit symbolic the fact that it was taken on Max Gorn because what a performance it was from Gorn and thought Kingy was single-handedly going to get um, Melbourne over the line last night 19 hit outs to advantage 17 clearances himself and West Coast if they've got issues perhaps it's in the rack and and maybe with a couple of key figures including Darling and and maybe Cripps we'll ask Adam Simpson about that a little bit later on but unfortunate for Gorn after such a big night but what a highlight and and no one beats that mark. I'll ask a question off the top. At what point in the year do Melbourne say, you know what, this is just not our season? 2019 is not going to be the one we'd hoped and the one we'd planned for. They had a horrible off-season and it's just gone from bad to worse since the, the, the years got underway. At what point do they say every decision from here on in is about 2020 and have an 18-month program to try and win the flag next year? And that involves you know, early surgeries, Raising the standards at, at training, um, the off-field standards that have slipped a fraction. We, you know, over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about those those headlines. 
and just targeting next year because they're a long way from where they need to be right now. We're even talking about missing the finals. Clearly, that's that's on the table now. So winning the flag, if you're not going to win it, what's what's the point? If you're and not that's the con- mature, yeah. yeah, that's the mature um, way to think about it. But, but I played in a, a Mark Williams side back um, in the middle 2000, so 08, 09, potentially around that era. And he wrote the season off publicly after about round 15, 16 and said, look, we won't play finals. And the backlash that he got, Kingy, from the supporters was – Unbelievable! He he just said what we we're. I wouldn't all do thinking. it publicly. I, no, there's no need. There's no need to do it publicly. How, how would you do it, Kingy? If you in if you were internal, would it just be the administration and coaches, or would you have would the leadership group be involved? Or no, you you're not trying to lose games. Don't confuse. No, no, this. no, no, no. no, no. I'm, I know you're not. I know you're not saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying. Look at the kids. I mean, they found one last night. Oscar Baker. He's going to be a beauty. He looked, he looked as composed as the, as the next player out there in his first opportunity. Now, he got run down a couple of times. He's going to learn that, that it's a little bit quicker than what he's been used to, but they've got a player there. So find out what you've got. I mean, Lever is coming back this weekend, so let's not rush him back. Let, he might need four weeks in the reserves rather than the two and then rush back into the seniors for the for the full campaign. Just 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 do everything with a, with a calculated view that there, there isn't the urgency that the 2019 probably was going to have. So run the equation for me. What's the benefit of doing that rather than engaging in the, I don't know, the honour of the tooth and nail struggle to get everything that you can out of every week? Yeah. You still, you st- don't confuse this with. No, no, I'm not. Yeah. Oh, I'm just. But, so for, the tooth and nail struggle is to yeah. win as many games as possible. For and how them. many will that be, Jerry? Let's be honest. How many, if they go so flat they, out, how many will that they, be? They can split 11-11. And, and where's where's the and that's fine. So, that's so great. That's what I'm asking. Is but, what, but what I'm saying is, when you're 11 games seeing the kids, when you're 11 games putting guys in early for surgery, so they come back day one for preseason, absolutely ready to go, 100, percent not limping through to Christmas, um, starting on the back foot come come the new season. I mean, it, they had a, a, a horrible amount of surgeries in the off season. They had north of 14 surgeries. So most of those guys. Had a short prep into round one. We talked in round one when they played Port Adelaide. They'd rushed three back that hadn't played uh, for, for effectively three weeks. So is that is that a let off though, Kingy? Uh, not a let off. Letting, no. Are we letting this team off because you, and you're right. The They're injuries not been let off. They've been hammered. There. Well, they, they've been hammered, but so have Richmond. So have Richmond have been hammered. Port Adelaide have been hammered. They got, according to Ken Hinckley, seven out of their best ten out. They've won four for the year, and they're the fourth youngest list in the comp. So last night still got names like Oliver Jones, Viney. Brayshaw, Petrarca, Gorn. There's still some good names out there, and yes, they perform well. But but where was that effort? Where was winning the contested, the ground ball, the inside fifties in in rounds two and three and four? Why why are we letting I'm this letting side off, off who, it, who have given up and they haven't and given up? We, they haven't given up. No, 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 well, no, no, no. I'm saying according to if you go down the path that you're saying, no, that, no. Is, that is almost an admission of of giving up. No, 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 no. You're confusing it. I'm not saying giving up. I'm saying exhaust. What you've got there, check out what's coming through. Work out is Billy Stretch the answer? Is um, is is Christian Petrarca the the full forward slash centre forward you're looking for? Do you need to reprogram him in, in a different role? Does he need to do a longer, deeper preseason because he can't? He clearly can't play midfield minutes at the moment. Is Oscar McDonald the answer deep down back? Frosty, we talk about him. Look, his good's really good, but his bad's really bad. Is he? Find out what your list actually has to offer. 
and then make sure day one of preseason. That's this is don't confuse this with losing games. Absolutely no way. You raise the standards everywhere, but sometimes when there's a fifty fifty call, have the view for twenty twenty rather than twenty nineteen. So what about the the here and the now? So their forward set up and there's all those numbers that support they. They just can't get toll for all the work they do. But I know your eye, King, is drawn to Clayton Oliver yeah. at the moment, whose best moment was captured in those highlights. But there was a bit to balance that. Yeah. Look, at the start of the year, and I'll draw you in on this, boys. Start of the year, it was Oliver and Cripps. Which one Which one would you take? It was a genuine 50-50 call. Yeah. And Clayton Oliver's elite handballing skills seem to have dissipated. He, I reckon three, four times in critical moments last night – his, his desire to be quick draw McGraw and handball it as fast as he possibly could, coughed it up to the opposition. And, and they cost them a goal. At a really critical stage, it cost them a goal. And I thought, are you playing like this because you don't want to take contact on the shoulders? He's one that's had you know both shoulders uh, worked on in the off-season, so really serious surgeries. Is he not wanting contact? Is he not wanting to burst out of gaps once he's won that, you know, that ball on the inside of the traffic? He's not getting ball from inside to outside. And and that is his role. That is his primary function for Melbourne. He's not a kicker. He goes at 50% most weeks. Misses most of his inside 50 kicks. So if you're going to be an elite handballer, be an elite handballer. He's miles from that. And I think they've got to look at this. They really do. They need to say, hey, what, what are you doing? Why are you trying to be so – you see Patrick Cripps lift his arms, step through a hole – Give it to someone four or five metres. He, was, on the he was lauded for it though, wasn't he? So last year and and in his early years of, of just how quick his hands were. Do you think he's just trying to push it to to that next level of to be even quicker? Because I agree. A couple of times you see him just they, they're sort of just wild. Yeah, just to flick, just to well, flick it on. Cameron Mooney actually brought this to my attention. I reckon three weeks ago, and I saw him do it at the Gold Coast last week. You know, in defensive fifty, he just handball fifteen metres forward. I mean, it's almost gifting the ball back to the opposition. Now, he's a senior member of this team. He, he's he's one of their absolute top liners. He he needs to be better than that. If they're going where we think they're going, or, or they think they're going, and every decision's been made around this this current block of uh, of seasons, call it 2019, 2020, 2021, they're not going to get Stephen May if they don't think they're there to win it. They're not getting you know, a lever and all these making all these decisions. They're not lightly trading Hogan out. And that's mm. a calculated decision that this is this is go time. They're three and six. So so you've got to at some point be real about where you're at. It's easy to say, oh let's just keep winning games. Let's just roll on and do this and you know try and do that. It's not about the winning and the losing. It's about making sure you've got an opportunity to win it. Do they have a forward set up Kane to be able to ultimately win it? Just looked at that, Jared. They averaged sixty points in their last five weeks. Um, Tom McDonald's kicked six for the year through nine games, he kicked 53 goals in, in, 2019, in 2018. So to answer your question, no. And, and it's, been, it's been bit part. They've tried things, haven't they? They, they, they bring in um, Garlett, who you know, has done some things, but is he the future, as King is alluding to? Uh, they've tried Hunt down there, who's given them a spark. Petrarca, where's he at? He's just a player they do, they do all, have all the, confidence. They do have the pieces, though. It's, it's, the, it's what version of those players. So... McDonald and Wiedemann are two, at their best, they're two genuine good tools. Garlett was great last night. He was annoyingly great because he could have had, you know, what do you have, kick three, but could have had five. Petrarca's, 
he's in that mold of those medium powerful forwards when he's yeah. and now he, he shows glimpses. He's not there yet, but I I I kind of think that that a good version of that forward line is is very capable. It's just whether they can do it week in, week out at the moment. They they're not, they're far too patchy. You know, you know they average fifty nine inside fifties mm. a week. Fifty nine inside fifties, third highest in the comp. Yeah, plus 15 last night. It, it, they've been plus for seven of the nine weeks on their <laughs> opponents. So, so it's there's something drastically wrong with their with their their strength of mind when they step forward of centre because that's all it is. They can hit targets. You take them to any training field today, and they will like, they will do things with the football that most people can't do. But you give them the ball and say kick it inside 50, and they freeze one meter too high, one meter too short. Blast it in. Take the easy option. Just knock it to the top of the goal square because you've got no confidence to hit a leading target. Their, their forward half craft is is lost. That, that that forward six, they wouldn't have played a lot of footy together. I, I'm of the belief that those forward sixes, they do need time together. And I think an, another year, I, I, I would back in that, that six they've got, but I, 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 like your point before about getting it right for next year if they get a good summer. But that's just, just cold missing targets running in, Bob. It happened, I reckon, again yeah, well, I mean, another dozen times yeah. last night. That's not a connection issue, though. That's just a sheer yeah. skill execution problem or just seizing up yeah. the pressure Tightening of the game up. getting to them. Yeah. They, if they had a five-goal margin at the start of the second quarter, they'd probably go on and win the game. Look, it's that, it's that sort of emotional uh, roller coaster with the Demons. And then when it gets seriously tough, they got tight. They did. Mm-hmm. There's a chance. With, yep. Go on, Kate. Sorry, Jared. With with going inside fifty, the, the one thing you play West Coast, don't let them mark the ball in, in their back fifty. Do not let them mark the ball. Easier said than done. But come up with a plan. I don't know. We all think about and talk about Port Adelaide on that Friday night a few weeks ago, where they went in with a plan to not let them mark the footy. Well, you look and once again, Hearn's taken seven and McGovern's taken six, and the intercept marks twenty four to fourteen for the night. So. Their execution going inside 50 and just having that bomb kick. How many times do we see it? West Coast marking the footy, Coles marking it. So um, the plan, just they just couldn't execute, surely, the plan that they went in with. Mostly second half, though, wasn't it, Kane? When it, it, was, when it got yep. seriously tight. You know, Petrarca dropping that mark. Yep. That, that, that's, that's fundamental. You know, the ABCs of footy taking that mark, really. It's just the pressure just completely breaking these blokes down. There'll be a chance to join us. You can call the Star 21 open line 1300 736 736 as the show unfolds. Star 21 at your world, endless possibilities. But next, we'll turn our attention to the reigning premiers. Adam Simpson will be our guest. This is crunch time. Know what the H you're getting. Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch Crunch time. What the H is a deal on a Honda? Search Honda Offers to find out about our great deals. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. The Eagles with a six-goal final term to overhaul Melbourne last night. Win by 16 points, string three in a row together. The Premiership coach Adam Simpson is with us on Crunch Time. Adam, welcome. Good morning, boys. Two goals down. Yes, two goals down. Walking to that three-quarter time huddle. What was what was your sense of it? Oh, look, it was. Um, geez, it would have been a good game to watch. It would have been entertaining. Um, the, the way Melbourne played, we, we scouted and understood what they were going to try and do, and the, the slingshot um, corridor um, shape and bake, I suppose, with the ball. Um, 
it, it uh, when it works, it's really hard to stop. Um, but if you can get the ball back, you possibly can get players out of position as well in your advantage. And we went into the game trying to um, uh, play a bit more of an equalised game and get some turnovers in the front half, and that just wasn't working. So um, we made some changes and <clears throat> managed to change the momentum a little bit. And once we stopped that, we thought um, we'd be right in the game. And, and I thought our leaders stood up in the last quarter and it just looked like a tough, hard slog. And um, yeah, the game was probably more in our terms in the last quarter and a half than it had been all night. How significant is it to do that, Adam, in a in a seven minute break at three quarter time, and <laughs> and you get six goals to one? So, how much yeah. can you do? How much is already sort of learned behaviour to kick into gear? What what's the mechanics of trying to affect that change? Uh, well, you can't do a lot during the quarters anymore. It's really difficult to to have any type of strategy. Um, so at halftime, we put a lot of work into trying to work out how to change the momentum of the game because it wasn't going our way and we um, we thought Melbourne were playing a really hard brand to stop. So we did some things at halftime. It wasn't working for us throughout the third quarter, but we just spent a bit more time educating and our players. I mean, above all, the, I think the, the work around the ball, the contest, that was the priority. And, and I thought, um, I know Melbourne have been pretty light on with uh with some availability, but their midfield is still probably the best in the competition when you look at the names. So that was um, that was really important, and yeah, they, they they got it right in the last quarter. How hard to plan against coaching against Max Gorn and what he can do, and what you can <laughs> oh, you stop, and what you can't <laughs> stop, Simone. I mean, what do you what can you what can you do from a coaching point of view? You, at times, you probably just got to sit back and say he's just too good for us. But what what works and what fails from a coaching point of view? Well, we we know how good he is in the ruck, and the 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 one on one nature of, of that contest is. I mean, you do a lot of work throughout the week. Unfortunate we don't have Nick available at the moment, but we're fortunate we've got Nick available during the week to help with strategy. So we put a lot of work into our rucks and their craft. And um, the main goal for us last night was just to reduce his uncontested possessions and try and take away his influence around the ground and fight as hard as we can in the ruck and look I thought he was one of their best players with his ruck craft uh, in particular we couldn't we just couldn't stop it um, but they're the decisions you got to make King, whether you send numbers up around the ball to stifle those hit outs or you hold your forwards um, and you know throughout the night we had to change a few things but he, he was very hard to stop I know this guy has a special spot in your in your, your thinking and in your heart a little bit Liam Ryan he's just such an exciting player for us to watch, and what he does is just sheer brilliance. Really, I mean, he's this this boy you've, you dragged out of the waffle. He's he's now doing it AFL level. What, what sort of what sort of pleasure does that does that bring? One, the coach, and then two, the team, because he, he did inspire at, at a couple of critical moments last night. He did. He he, um, he he does a lot of work with Jamie Graham, our forward line coach, and Adrian Hickman, who is his mentor, and they. They put a lot of work into trying to be an elite AFL player. And when he played at Subiaco, if anyone ever saw him, he used to stand in the goal square and empty out the 50. <laughs> that was his job. <laughs> and uh, some of his highlights were just great. Um, but when you get drafted to, to AFL level, it's, it's pretty hard to push JK um, and Jack Darling outside of 50 and, and stick yourself in the goal square. And as much as we didn't want to do that, we started it last year when we first started. So, geez, why don't we just do that? And... Um, it just doesn't work at AFL level. They're too smart um, in defending. So 
he's had to buy in on our work rate and being a high half forward, being a good crummer, not flying all the time. But at the same same time, going for your marks is one of his real strengths. So if you watch that mark, look at the work rate he does before he takes that mark. It's um, He's the one that actually kicks it to Josh Kennedy, and then he's the one that marks it in the goal square. So he's got, great he, effort last night. He got a licence to probably do a couple of things that others don't. Simo, has he got one of those little green cards we can just jump <laughs> whenever he likes? Uh, you know, he, he doesn't need a lot. He hasn't got a license actually. Full stop. So um, <laughs> that's on. That's on and off the field. Um, so he, uh, he no. Nah, look, he just plays on instinct, and we coach him during the week. That's pretty much what we do. Simo, you've won your last three, and I think you're just in a magnificent position. But it has been on the back of uh, some big quarters. I think the last fortnight it's been your third quarter. Last night, six goals, one in the last quarter. Is there any concerns yeah. from you, or are you just happy with where you sit overall, knowing that you'll probably come and well, you'll improve in the back half of the year? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think it's a little bit unfair to say it's just been uh, patches in quarters. I mean, mm. we kicked one goal eight in the last quarter last week. Um, I think last night there was um, one or two points in it for a couple of quarters there. We, so, you know, the, our form is improving. We still haven't hit our straps in terms of that pure, you know, clean, beautiful-to-watch type of football. But I just don't know if that's in any um, games that we see across the season at the moment. I think the way that teams are defending and the way um, scoring has gone down and it's just difficult to get that going. So... As long as we're up and about in the contest, I think we can we can grind. <clears throat> excuse me, we can grind games out, and we can win ugly. And the most, the most important thing at the moment is getting those wins. So, uh, am I concerned? I, I suppose that what, what's pleasing during the week, we can see what we need to improve on. It's real clear what we need to do. We're just probably not executing as best we can at the moment. How can you get more out of Jack Darling at times? He's looked like he could be the game's best forward. Uh, this year, his numbers yeah. are down on last year and, and was quiet again last night. Is that the debate that you have from week to week? Well, it is, and sometimes it's the individual and you know getting better at the contest and turning up as much as you can. So that's, that's part of it. And sometimes it's supply. I mean, our numbers this year on inside 50s, I heard you talk about Melbourne even last night, they were plus 15 if... If we had 60 inside 50, so I think you'd see probably a slightly different looking Jack Darling. At the moment, we're struggling to get to 50. So, um, you know, having six or seven less opportunities for those guys to get into the game will affect those guys' performances. So a bit of both at the moment. Adam, I, I want to ask you about the, the skipper, Shannon Hearn, who was instrumental last night. We are just chatting off here. Is, is he having a better year than last year when he was all-Australian halfback flank? Yeah, well, maybe his profile's a bit bigger. He might get all Australian captain uh, this time around. Um, he's, uh, his form is in the last 12 months has been exceptional, and I, I think um, he's he's very understated in, in the football community, but I think that more and more people watch us play, they see what he can do, not just with the ball, but how he's leading our club and our players, and his form is um, as, as consistent as, I, as I've ever seen a player, really, the way he goes about it, so... I can't speak highly enough of him. I know there's been some discussion with yourself or your your club, um, mainly led by you, you know, let's be honest, but uh, about the venue, it's a little bit hard. Have, have you spoken to the boys this morning? <laughs> How'd they pull up? Is it is it still an ongoing issue for you? Oh, look, and I know uh, I've had a couple of suggestions that I'm being a bit of a whinger on this thing. <laughs> no, uh, not, but, not from um, us, mate. Well, Maybe the locals, not from uh, not from over this uh, side. Well, it's um, interesting. It's It's... 
it's something I was passionate about last year. So it's got nothing to do with winning or losing. It's player health and safety, the way I look at it. And if our player's reporting sore, then um, we'd like to get something done about it. So that, that was about a month ago, mate. And the, the ground does soften up as the season progresses, and it's in a really good space at the moment. But pre-season um, and the early part of the year, just coming out of the cricket and some concerts that are on uh, that stadium, there's no doubt it's 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 difficult to manage um, the hardness of the ground. So we've got to get a little, little bit smarter with training there, and, and we want the stadium to get a little bit smarter at getting it um, safer for our players. And that's about it, mate. Outside of that, we um, don't think uh, I whinge too much on things. What, what percentage do you feel like you're going at the moment? It's probably a hard question to answer, but we're probably used to seeing a, a lot more free-flowing West Coast Eagles. I know you talked about the volume of inside 50s. You're averaging, yeah. I think, 47, which is the last in the competition. But we haven't seen you really get back to what the levels of 2018 were. Is it a reality that maybe this is the 2019 version that we're seeing at the moment? Or do you think there's, you know, a percentage uh, of incremental improvement to come? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm working through that. The, you look at uh, Adelaide in 17, the way they scored, and you thought, geez, that's just going to roll on in 18. You looked at Melbourne last year and their ability just to slam on goal, apart, uh, goal after goal. And this year it's a struggle. It, every year is different, I think, Kingy. Um, I see glimpses of what we can do with the ball. We did move the ball a little bit quicker in the last quarter and, and got some really deep entries. I think we had 10 deep entries in the last quarter and kicked five goals. And that seems to be the, you know, a really good avenue for every club and we're just not getting enough of that. So, I don't know, mate. We'll keep working on it. Um, we want to do it, but sometimes it's difficult and I think across the comp it's difficult for anyone to... Um, to kick over 100 points at the moment. So can we just explore that a little bit more with you? Why do you think scoring is significantly down? Uh, I don't have a complete answer because I, I, I'm looking at our boys and what we're doing and what we're trying to do from last year to this year. What is the difference? And, you know, teams change the way they defend. Uh, the, the game doesn't give you enough uh, avenues to, to turn the scoreboard around as quick as you'd like with... You know, the 6-6-6 rule, I keep hearing how good that is for the last five minutes of the game. Um, what about the other 95% of the game? Is is it good for the game as well? I mean, uh, I've seen Melbourne last year have two half-forwards ripping off the back of the square, which made it really hard to, to defend. It wasn't a defensive avenue, it was attacking. So these type of things, have, we're still working through the, the competition about what, what we're going to do to get the scoring up. Um, I'm not sure if that rule's helping the scoring situation. It's exciting at the back end of the game, but what's it doing for the rest of the game? Having said that, I don't think it's just the rules. I think there's teams defending better and the game hasn't opened up. With the defending getting better and it feels like it's getting better year on year on year, is there any yeah. reason to think that scoring could fight through that or is that is that the modern reality? Uh, I think teams will find a way. Yeah, there'll be, a, there'll be another avenue. Yeah, a, We'll keep working through it. I mean, Geelong and, and Collingwood are not far off that at the moment themselves. So, um, yeah, a lot of teams are working on offence at the moment, that's for sure. A couple of big talking points to come out of it, Simo, that we need to ask you about. Did, did you have? Did you take exception to, to Vardy having a crack at Max Gorm when he was on the ground after being sat on his head by um, <laughs> by flying right? Yeah. Oh, look, I think there was a little bit of banter going in one direction most of the night when you're max scoring and you're having 60 hit-outs to advantage. Um, 
I think Vardy took the opportunity to try and at least return a bit of uh, a, a bit of lip. But no, nah, not a great look for us. We, we don't really like that type of thing. It's, um, you know, I need to do it. But um, I, I dare say there was a bit of niggle throughout the night. So I think when you saw him on the ground, he took an opportunity to, to give him some feedback, which I think Vardy was getting for most of the night. So uh, Gorney's a big boy. I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's okay. Do you follow that up with your player, or he's experienced enough to probably know that if in the same position again, he, he might not go that way? No, I've spoken to Bards. Yeah, I, I said, mate, you don't need to do that. Um, mm. And he went through a couple of things throughout the day. And um, I mean, no harm, no foul, really. It's just not a great look. So we'll, we'll you know, keep backing, backing in Bards. And, and um, he's working really hard, but he got touched up last night in the ruck. The other one was the extraordinary situation where um, Lewis Jetta nails Tim Smith in a tackle. It gets holding yeah. the ball. The umpire's right there. He pays a free kick. But it will be looked at. Simo, how would you see it? Well, I don't know if it was a sling, to be honest. Um, I, I thought, you know, if you look at it in detail, uh, it probably will get looked at. But I, I'm not sure what we do when you guys play. He's limp standing up. Um, I, I, it could have been a lot worse. And um, Smith's come back on the ground. So, you know, I'm, I'm not sure where they're going to go with, it, with that. But, um, yeah, I, I thought that Jet did as much as he could. Because it could have been a really dangerous tackle if, um, if he went a bit harder. And one more from me. Do, do you think what could have been with the way Tim Kelly's playing, and we, we read the report of how close you were to getting him in, in the off-season, are you confident that he'll choose you again when he's out of contract? <laughs> Uh, it's a loaded question, Gondi, and I'm not going near it. He's a Geelong player. He's in really good form. Um, yes, and if he ever leaves the club, it's going to cost someone a lot of a lot of money and a lot of uh, draft picks, I would assume. But that's really not my problem, mate. He, he's um, he's someone we we'll probably tag when we play. I always like to ask you what you're doing on the weekend because you tell me that. WA's got it all. Perth's got it all. I want to know. You're playing a Friday night. You get the chocolates. Things are, life's good. Yep. What's the next 48 hours? And don't you don't give us this. I'm dropping kids at school sport or what you went with last time. What what's the weekend? Uh, I um, first of all, there's nothing better than winning on a Friday. Yeah. That's the best feeling in football. Uh, I'm sitting in the car park at the front of the basketball centre, um, and it's halftime. My son's basketball. I've just dropped my daughter off at work. She works at the team store. And I've got to vote on the way home. <laughs> and then I have a couple of beers this afternoon. Too. That's I, better. I don't know oh, thank, there we thank go. God, thank there God we go. for that. <laughs> Not the Cottesloe again. We, we did, we're... <laughs> I was starting to get uh, flat I, for him. <laughs> no, no, no. I can, I can lock on the way at home, get a couple of boys over and um, that's it. Yeah, enjoy the weekend. Hey, get back inside, watch that basketball. Adam, thanks for your time. Thanks, boys. Well Appreciate it. Adam Simpson, the Eagles coach there. There's a bit we can pry out of that as we go along as well in our in our takeouts after 12. Uh, Russell Barwick's ready with us uh, for Unibet. Get footy fill-ups every week at unibet.com.au. Russ. Yes, Jared. This week's <clears> footy fill-up is tomorrow with the Hawks. Uh, we're offering $2.50 about the Hawks to knock off the Tigers. They're $2.08 normal market, so it's about 40% overs. So if you're keen on the Hawks, that's where you might want to put your hard earned this weekend. But more importantly, the earlier games, Collingwood on the drift, albeit only a couple of bob, uh, out to a dollar twenty-two. The line now twenty-six and a half, uh, in from twenty-nine and a half, and that's with St Kilda having a little bit of support both head-to-head and at the line. The other surprising game, Adelaide Crows two dollars eight and friendless against the Lions a dollar seventy-five, which is a bit of a surprise given the form of the Crows of late. 
four and a half the line there. Uh, not a lot of interest in the Geelong game there. Very, very short price favourites to knock off the Western Bulldogs. Essendon punters, they keep buttering up. Uh, they've been favourites more often than not this year and have disappointed. $1.45 and Fremantle two seventy-five, And that's a similar price with North Melbourne and Sydney. So all of the odds are on the website, unibet.com.au. And for the racing fans, Uniboost odds. You can get them on every race, every day, and even on place odds. So the website's the place to go. Uh, download the app, of course, and gamble responsibly. Jared? Thanks, Russ. Get legendary tips on on at odds on at odds with oh, on at odds with junior fletch and hammer <laughs> going to get across that the latest episode at unibet.com.au uh, after the break the week that was for the AFL what did come out of headquarters this week did you make sense of it did you follow it this is crunch time know what the h are getting ask honda and try the new hot paninis grilled at subway on 1116 sem the award winning crunch time what the H is a deal on a Honda? Search Honda Offers to find out about our great deals. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Jared Waitley, Kane Corns, Bob Murphy, David King with you on Crunch Time this Saturday. Kane, how was the AFL's week? <laughs> oh, it was as, as bad as... It was a horrible week, let's put it that way. And I think the goalpost was reflective of their performance all year. It hasn't just been the week that was. It's been the performance of the year and I think um, the fans are rightly frustrated. There's a number of key issues. Um, you can even look at crowd violence. You can look at the, the umpiring. Uh, there's massive issues there. Not sure that the standard's been as poor as it has been this year. Um, you know, we've got uh, what happened last week as well. So yeah, I'm I'm um, I'm a bit bemused by it all, Jared. to be honest. How can we walk into this week of footy without absolute clarity around the player up the post. <laughs> like it's an embarrassment for mm. for an organisation that runs the competition not to have taken the moment to reiterate what we thought we already knew but is now a matter of interpretation. Sometimes we get muddied waters at the start, but the, the waters got muddier and muddier and muddier. Toward, towards, so the, the, the very last piece of the, the wobbling post, now I, I can't see through this sludge now. I don't know what it is with the post. With the wobbling of the post. Yeah. So uh, I made this observation last night. Is Somebody has to go up the post this weekend oh, at, on behalf of the players. It's Haley's Comet, mate. Just it's to once find out. every 70 years. Let's be honest. <laughs> Frost is a chance next it, week. It's not a question we have to answer in a hurry because it ain't going to happen for another mm. 50 years. <laughs> Only because the players are too sensible for it to happen. But, but it, it's so ridiculous in the first place, yeah. Jared, that it's not going to happen again. But it's a it's a vague green light on it. As long as your intention is not to shake the post, get up there. Up there, fellas. How many do you want? That, that's what came back. This is how Who, absurd it is. Give me, I want the top three nominations I, I, for which player Connor is McKenna. Right? Connor McKenna. I think McKenna. Connor should go up. He was the first one to call out. He's only been in the country a couple of years. He can absolutely claim confusion. Yeah. I, well, I, last week I thought you it's, couldn't go up there, well, but, but now apparently you can. The next guy to do it is automatically delisted by his club. <laughs> so this is the, the three you nominate. Two? There's, and a bit two? Of, there's a bit at there's stake. There's a bit at stake. At, at the president of the Players Association. Oh, yeah. Paddy Dangefield on behalf of the player group. Genuine the leadership, Jared. That's, oh, that's genuine right. leadership. Yeah, that's just, want to fit, just want to find out on behalf of the constituency good what's going to happen. He would be from what we've seen, the quickest post-climber 
to ever record a time. He'd nearly get to the top, I reckon. <laughs> I'd back him to go all the way. Kingy, I was a fireman, so I'm, oh, I'm, I could have I could For have about crack. two minutes. Yeah, until you worked out the pay structure and said, I'm out of here. <laughs> you, you could get up there with Both a minimum of shaking too, this, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no night shift. <laughs> well, i tell you what, it made you really cranky, that short shift you did with the fire. <laughs> oh, it made you really oh. angry with life. Who oh, would be your third oh. nomination? You got, you got, have you got a wild card for us, Kane? I don't have one. Maybe Gil. Let's get Gil up there because he joined us last <laughs> week say and he official. said it, it was all good and there was nothing to see here. So perhaps Gil could have a crack. No, not going to happen, Jared. It's, it's, it looks. I'm probably more at odds with the, the just the and, and people don't like you saying, it, but just the general standard of umpiring and it's an incredibly tough gig. I, and I appreciate that. But but last night there's some critical moments again. Last night, you know, the Smith tackle, the dump tackle where he. His head hits the ground. It'll be. It'll probably be a report. It wasn't a free kick. It went full length of the ground. Goal to West Coast. When it should have just been a, maybe a fraction of common sense applied. Okay, you have to play to the whistle. I understand that. But there was a throw in the goal square that was clearly play on. The Eagles cashed in there in, in a short space of time. The game shifted. Um, look, I just think that we we need to have a look at that. I'm sure we will at the end of the year. We've, we've got to make it easier for the umpires. Whether that's changing how we interpret. You know, prior opportunity or... That's a good point. That's a really good point. How can we make it easier for the umpires? I think I think that's really crucial because we spend so much time around tinkering with the wording of certain... It's like, how, how do we make it clearer for them to make these decisions on the fly? It's an incredibly difficult job. job. Yeah. Tough job. Game's getting quicker, 360 degree, all of that. How can we, how can we make these rules clearer? easier for them to adjudicate. But what's the hardest rule, do you think, at the moment? I, I think the prior opportunity, yep. where you've had it long enough or you haven't had enough time or you've actually got a hand on it, you've, you've, it's grazed your foot. You know, there's, there's, so many, there's so many little quirks with prior opportunity. I, I think if we just could correct that and go back to – I know we've talked about team, team prior opportunity. So the initial ball winner, he gets the full uh, rights that he gets at the moment – so if he doesn't have enough time to dispose or he's you know, actually seeking possession, we protect him. The game protects him, as it has done. But as soon as that first handball or first kick is, is hit, it's, it's, you must um, execute your skill from there. If you don't, it's black and white. Mm. Free kick either way. I think the notion of trying to actually go, this is right and this is wrong, which is what's not been applied in umpiring at the moment, I don't think we're improving our standard by been able to justify. No, that, that, that's okay. And it would have been okay the other way as well. I think the only way as a matter of logic to improve is to go, no, no, that's wrong. So next time we want you to be right and this is the right answer. So, and that goes to, can we find black and white? We haven't really, gray? yeah. We're, we're batting at a hundred percent, aren't we? <laughs> haven't we got every decision right so far? This <laughs> yeah, it feels a bit <laughs> like that. And hey, what about that? So the, the decline in scoring, which has continued, and Adam Simpson's really interesting on that with the 666. We might revisit that in a moment. What's um, So I think the game is less congested than it was last year, at least in parts. Yeah. But the scoring hasn't been stimulated. The, the hardest uh, – join, join in, Ken. I think the hardest thing – um, scoring's declined, but let's get more specific on what part of scoring's mm. declined. The hardest thing to do in, in the modern game is move the ball from one end of the ground to the other. That's what's declined. So scoring from centre bounds has gone up slightly, as you'd expect, but only marginally, a couple of points on average per team per game. 
forward half scoring still, you know, all the rage and, and a similar sort of number over the last 10 to 15 years. The one thing that's changed is scoring from your back half. That's gone from an average of 45 points per team down to about 30. So there, there's your two and a half goals. Now, every rule we bring in, and, and, and credit to the AFL, they did try to get the ball back into the fat part of the ground. They said it might not improve scoring, but it'll at least get it out of that, you know, bouncing in and out of, of the of the forward 50 for whichever team has possession. So they tried that. It's It hasn't had the impact that they would have liked. But that's where scoring's and dropped. And I'm really surprised that scoring from centre bounce hasn't increased dramatically. I mean, you, you say a couple of points in it, and, and you've looked at it closer than what I have, Kingy, but perhaps that is because it's congested in the forward line, and you say, well, why is it congested? You've got six, six, and six, but, you know, in the past, that hasn't been the case. So it is harder to take a contested mark from a centre bounce inside your 50, because there's 12 players in there. You don't get as much separation, you don't get as much space. So I'm surprised at that, um, and, and how we can improve that, I'm, I'm not sure, but clearly it's going to be easy to score if there's less numbers inside 50. So that's been a surprise for me, that one. All right. After the break, the three key takeouts from last night, and we'll delve into the other key issues of the week, including a couple of retirements. This is Crunch Time. Know what the H you're getting. Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway. award-winning crunch time. What the H is a deal on a Honda? Search Honda offers to find out about our great deals. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. David King has this as the shaping round. We'll get him to take us in depth into what lies ahead this weekend and the ramifications contained therein. The Eagles start by coming from behind and beating Melbourne on Friday night footy. It has obsessed our minds so far. We'll go broader with David King, Bob Murphy, Kane Corns and Jared Waitley in the coming minutes on Crunch Time. But let's work through the three key takeouts from last night for Crunchy Corn, the ultimate footy snack available at Coles. So, Kingy, the Eagles are 6-3. and three. They haven't done anything special this year. No, they haven't. What's their place, though? Oh, they'd be absolutely thrilled. Adam Simpson's going to enjoy a couple of beers this afternoon thinking, how, how are we here at 6-3? and three? I mean, they, they had, I think it was uh, 15 off-season surgeries last year. They, they got to Christmas in, in really ordinary shape. And what, what happens when you have that volume of players on the sidelines, Bob and Kane, as you know, is that you, you stress other parts of your list that maybe aren't ready for that sort of volume. And then when the others come back, it's a management process to get them back in the training. So I see what Josh Kennedy's doing. I say, wow, doing this off the back of no preseason. Mm. It's He's amazing. Getting- it's amazing the damage done to teams in that last couple of weeks of that final series. Guys, but going into a final series, carrying stuff, and then the intensity cranks up. And the, we look at last night's teams, how many players are missing. They're both teams that went deep into the finals. And I think the, the key takeout for me is that their their chance of hosting home finals again in Perth is still live. They're, they're playing, in my opinion, they're playing at about eighty percent at the moment. They got they got a twenty percent improvement that'll come. You know, they're hoping will come, um, or the available availability of twenty percent is there, um, and and they are going to sit top four at the end of this round. So look out again if they finish top two, Bob. Did Liam Ryan take the mark of the year? I think he took mark of the year, Jared, and it's it's the the most fierce race for mark of the year we've had in recent memory. So I've got about eight nominations, but 
Liam Ryan, I think, cleaned it up last night. But we had four season records last night, Joe. We had Liam Ryan mark of the year. Frost got tackle of the year when Petrocelli's jumper exploded. <laughs> we got bad bounce of the year for McGovern when Garlet's ball bounced over the top. And it was cock up of the year also for Frosty. He got the oh, double last night, Frosty. He's had six <laughs> nominations. He's had six nominations this year. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Frosty. That's Frosty's year. Oh, you got tackle of the year. Yeah. So that's, you yeah. know, it's not all. Swings and roundabouts. Give, give us your list of marks. By my count, we've got Dugowie, Liam Ryan, Hayden Crozier, Himmelberg, Josh Bruce, Isaac Heaney, Josh Kennedy, and Aaron Norton. They're the, they're the, that's the Olympic final at the moment. Mm. We've just had the replay on Fox Footy. Is You get extra credits for it being on Gorn too. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that's the we clubhouse leader so in a good field. Kane, are you, are you in the Liam Ryan camp for mark of the year? Absolutely. Oh, we yeah, have got the Coddy then because, Kingy, yeah. you're on you're on Liam. I'm going to give you a project. I'm going to give you a project. I love a project. Monday night, I watched this, the waffle tapes of Liam Ryan two years ago. Yep. He kicked, I think he kicked 67 goals in the year and I reckon of the 67 he kicked, 50 would have been standing on someone's head. And he's, I reckon he's put on six kilo in his <laughs> AFL time. He was this light-bodied little fellow who just goes bing and sits on heads. You've got to get, you've got to get half a dozen of his best marks yep. in the waffle because this one that he took on the weekend is about 10th ranked. <laughs> I'm telling you, yeah. you've, got, you've got to see this guy. He's a freak show. Kane, in the aftermath of that mark, and you asked Adam Simpson about it, Nathan Vardy goes up to Max Gorn, who's lying flat on the turf, and he gives it to him in a really unsportsmanlike way. This was the West Coast coach. I think there was a little bit of banter going in one direction most of the night when you're Max Gorn and you're having 60 hit-outs to advantage. Um, I think Vardy took the opportunity to try and at least return a bit of uh, a, a bit of lip, but no, nah, not a great look for us. We, we don't really like that type of thing. It's, um, you don't need to do it, but um, I, I dare say there was a bit of niggle throughout the night. So I think when you saw him on the ground, he took an opportunity to, to give him some feedback, which I think Barb was getting for most of the night. So uh, Gorn is a big boy. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's okay. I was spoken to Barb's. Yeah, I, I said, mate, you don't need to do that. Um, mm. And he went through a couple of things throughout the day and. I mean, no harm, no foul, really. It's just no great look. So we'll keep back and back in invades. And, and um, it's working really hard, but he got touched up last night in the ruck. What do you think? Oh, I think he summed it up beautifully and, and probably echoes my thoughts on it. I think you've got to know your place in the game. I still think there is a bit of a hierarchy in this game. And when you've had five possessions on the night and your opposition ruckman has had 56 hitouts and 19 to advantage, despite getting a good mark taken on his head, I don't think you go to those sorts of places. So, um, yeah, I thought um, for Nathan Vardy to, to do that after the game that he'd had, um, and, and it doesn't really matter what game you had, but as Adam Simpson said, not a big deal, but just not a great we, look. I, th- I think it is a big deal. I think we need to get rid of this. When players are lying on the ground defenceless after after a moment and then someone else comes and shoves them in, that's not... That's not brave. It's actually it's a really cowardly act. It's really embarrassing. I feel embarrassed for the players who do it. When a player's been run down and tackled and you get the free kick and then and then the shove comes in when the player's lying there defenceless. It's rubbish. Total rubbish. Get rid of it. It's a major part of your arsenal though as a backman. It's all you got. <laughs> it's all you got, mate. The, 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 the event's over. You've had a small victory. You've sometimes got to take the little wins along the way, Bob, as a backman. You didn't play down back as long as you should have. You swanned around as a centre-half forward. A closet centre-half forward. Embarrassing people. Down back, that's all you had. Just take the free kick. No, look, you know what? It's not a big deal. 
It's not a big deal. Yeah, I think it is. The takeouts for crunchy corn. Corn from the cob roasted to perfection and lightly salted the ultimate footy snack. Polly from Rosemont wants to join the discussion around making it easier for the umps to adjudicate their game. Polly, welcome. G'day, guys. Yeah, I'm a, a very frustrated football supporter from Queensland. I heard what you're saying about umpires and how we can make it easier. But the... Um, I feel that uh, the major issue is congestion. Uh, you look at injuries to players, you look at lower scoring, less goals from full full forwards, and of course umpires trying to umpire the game. It's just it's just a nightmare. And last year when they brought in the new, I just laughed because I knew none of the new rules would uh, change it. And my 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 suggestion, Kingy, I want you to, don't want you to react to this. Just take it away and think about it. I've got a two-pronged approach. One is what has been suggested, getting rid of interchange. Second one, you have to disincentivise or encourage coaches not to have stoppages. You've got to focus your attention on stoppages. That's the killer. You've got to open up the game. And just as as a suggestion, um, we don't like stoppages. We want the game to be free-flowing. So my suggestion, just one, that it could be played with, but if teams have more than 20 stoppages, if the game has more than 20 stoppages in the game, then both sides lose a premiership point. Or if the uh, stoppages are under 10, don't react, then you gain gain a premiership point. So don't react. Just think about it, Kingy, and uh, maybe talk about it on 360. Good on you, Polly. On the open line for Star 21, your world, endless possibilities, one three hundred star 21 I don't want to disappear down that rabbit hole because we've got a bit to work through in the crunch. For Scooty, a Scooty two-wheeled taxi, leave boredom behind. Tom Boyd bowed out of footy this week, 23-year-old, number one draft pick, one of the big contracts of the modern era, premiership player, Finished after 61 games. Bob, as you knew him, you saw him firsthand, you watch him depart. How do you – so for the man himself, for the player, how have you taken it all in? Uh, initially I was – yeah, there was – it was sadness. It was – I thought, you know, oh, God, you know, 61 games, only 23 years old. It's just, you know, just too soon. Um, but as but as the day – as the days have sort of rolled on, probably thinking more about – the man himself and, you know, he's carried, uh, you know, a pretty heavy weight and a pretty heavy burden and he's had to navigate some some, some really serious, you know, issues, uh, mental illness stuff. And so I, I, I'm confident that his, his best days are ahead. So I kind of, I feel good about, you know, I, th- I think he's, he's going to be okay. But it's, you know, on, on a football side of things, it's, um, it's, a, it's a lot to digest. It was, you know, there was... It's such a unique career. You can be remembered for a lot of things, G. And is it fantastic that we're going to remember this guy as the reason they won that that grand final? The moments that he had. He was a major part of the reason why they won a grand yeah. final. I mean, you know, it, there's so many other players that have done so much in football yep. and they have one or two actions that define them as a, as a player. Forever, this guy's going to be celebrated yep. and lauded as the reason. So it's a pretty good way to, to finish up. It's not a bad legacy. Kane? I just wonder, and, and no one's come from this point of view, and, and Bob, bear with me, but what responsibility the Western Bulldogs have, have in this? And I, and I don't know 
um, the reasons behind mental health and and all of that. But to offer a 19-year-old who had played 13 games of footy at the time a seven million seven-year contract and the pressure that that put on him, I think it's a warning for other clubs potentially to look at the ramifications that can happen with something like this. So I think the Western Bulldogs, in hindsight, maybe um, need to look at you know, uh, in hindsight, was that the best thing to do for this young kid and put as much pressure on him as what that did? I think I think it's multi-layered. And I spoke to Tom last year um, for a Bulldogs podcast and he really, he opened up about it. And he talked about, you know, that he had a charm childhood, that he happy home and he was a winner. He was tall, good-looking kid that, that was good at football, got to the AFL. And his his AFL experience is unlike any other I can think of. You know, it was bombastic, number one draft pick, big contract. So there was, it's multi-layered. He, he wasn't afforded the time to grow before the microscope and the critique becomes a lot harsher. He was straight into the furnace. So it's I I'm not dismissing what you're saying it all mm. came but also but, but this, it, this 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 meant this football might have drawn this out or brought it to a head quicker. But the way Tom described it to me was that this is this is this is a part of him. This is this has been there his whole life. So mm. it's um it's it's a very complex thing. So I just think I understand it's, it, that. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I absolutely understand that. But I take your I, point. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll move on. How will history judge the trade? Uh, how will they? Do? Well, well, it's now it's, got, an, it's now got, a five year deal. So it's it's interesting. So it was mm. seven million seven years, but the first year he was on minimum wage, so you can discount that. Forget so the was, money. Yeah. So it was seven million yeah, six years, I think two we'll, default at the end. Yeah. Whenever someone you bring into your club as as a risk, whether it's a speculative trade or you know someone who's of poor character or, or or just sheer finance, and they take you to the promised land. Mm. I don't care what the other side of the trade was; it's it's a landslide victory. Yes, you know the other thing it's to a take day for landslide victories. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> the other thing to take into consideration, almost on the back of of Kane's point, which I, I acknowledge. At that time, at the end of 2014, the Bulldogs, we were the laughing stock, and anyone who had boxing gloves on was taking a swing, and rightly so. We were, we were just taking it. Yeah. The tomboy trade to get us was the first sign that we were swinging back. It was a, it was a real, it was a, it was a swing of optimism, and I was there, and I felt like, hey, okay, we're, we're back in this combative mode. We're not, we're not just covering up anymore. Now, Tom, Tom's form was patchy, and he did, he, you know, he saved his absolute best for when we absolutely needed it. But that trade at the time was significant from a point of view of dignity. There are some trades that attach the individuals, key members of your football club, to the to the success or failure of that trade. And I reckon there was about six sets of fingerprints on this one. And if it had failed, and it had the potential to at different checkpoints along the way, to really really disrupt some key members of the footy club. In, in the senior officers, Jared upstairs there, not the not necessarily the list manager or the recruiter, guys that are. That are that are well and truly entrenched there. So, for it to work, it just has a such a calming effect on your footy club. When it fails, where to next? It can become really directionless. Sean Griggs' departure. So he's another that has a unique place in a magnificent premiership as the second ruckman <laughs> in the Tigers' flag. So he rings everything out of what he's got, 
and he's just got this special little place in the game's history. Isn't it funny, like when you when a player starts his career and what 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 you imagine? And for much of his career, Sean Grigg was he was a good he was a really good AFL player, but it was it was an orthodox career. Played at Carlton and then you know moved on to the Tigers and was a good player and formed a career. And and then we get to the end and when it end you go. He was the premiership second ruckman. It's this kind of unusual sort of twist. Um, brilliant, you know. Imagine being remembered you know, to be remembered as a premiership player. I know I would like to be. Jack Rewalt, and and anyone you ask, he, Jack verbaled it during the week publicly. But anyone you ask at Richmond say that he's the smartest footballer mm. that they have had at the place for a decade. Now that that's a fair stamp, mm. considering that the quality of, of player they've had. And the stripes that are on some of the shoulders down there, you know, Cotchen and Rewalt and Rance and these guys, and they say Sean Grigg. And I think it was evident when you might remember the controversy around him drawing a free kick when he was blocked out as a ruckman coming in to take a, take a hit out 20 metres from goal when they desperately needed a goal. He just outsmarted the system. You're not allowed to block me. It's a free kick. Do you know, it's King, you went in Dangerfield, yeah. mimic it. But, yeah, but amazing smarts. I remember we we did our video review one week, and it was we we're playing the Tigers, and we we'd been touched up. But the general thought they had, they showed the they showed the edit, and it was a you know a stoppage situation. And just as the ball was going up, Sean Grigg reversed out, and he re- and then sort of took off. And at the time, the the, the sort of message was ran, I oh, and Griggs cheated here. That that was the coach, and he's cheated. And there was a few of us in the room going, yeah, but. Look what happened, and look, look who ends up with it three seconds later and puts him inside fit. That was it. Was it wasn't this is the this is the football sort of hypocrisy of like oh he cheated to make us feel that we're you know we're this honest sort of toiling away. It's like yeah, but he outsmarted us. I'm not, he read it. I'm really uncomfortable with us calling him a ruckman, Jared. If you haven't won a hit out, <laughs> if you haven't actually competed for fifty percent of your ruck battles, can you be declared a ruckman? Even second ruck. I would call myself a centre half forward about 20 oh, minutes ago. So it's, it's, Kane, Kane it's, a, poli- a, it's a political oh, question. He went with a five. Yeah. <laughs> That's you can laughable. say anything in an election. In an election year, yeah. say what you want. Promise the world. Yeah. <laughs> Love the way he spoke about Damien Harbick as well. Uh, and, you know, we always see Dimmer publicly supporting his players in every situation, and it's clearly resonated with the players. He paid homage to, to Dimmer and also Trent Cotchin for turning the place around, and I thought that was a nice touch on the way up. The news out of the MCG is that Collingwood do have Darcy Moore and Jordan Degoe coming out of their side this afternoon with an ankle and a shin, respectively, and Aish and Willis take their place as the Saints are as selected. So we'll delve uh, in the next half hour into the matches this afternoon and from the rest of the weekend. We're playing the crunch, the quickest way to leave the MCG. Scooty, your two-wheeled taxi, download the app today. Uh, We've got a, a set of callers who are with us as well. Mick is in Port Ferry. Hello to you, Mick. Uh, morning, uh, sorry, afternoon, boys. I uh, love the show. Uh, just wanted to uh, ring up and uh, strongly agree with Bob um, and strongly disagree uh, with Kingy in regards to the taunting. Um, I just find that it's uh, crept into the game and uh, it, it just sends a really bad message to kids, you know? Like, uh, if you if you win a free kick, it's not enough. You you then need to shove your, your, your opponent's uh, head in it. Um, and... Uh, to, to, to uh, use an example from another sport, uh, the, the NBA now, you can uh, get a foul called against you for taunting. I don't think we're at that stage yet, but I, I don't think we want to get to that stage. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, 
It's specifically around a player after a contest. It's often after a tackle. So an example of a rundown tackle, free kick's been given, the player lying defenceless, and someone on top of him just starts to shove him and push him in the back. And it's I just think players need to know that maybe not everyone thinks it, but I look at it and just it's not brave. In fact, I look at it as a, as a cowardly act. Thanks, Mick. Joe is said Mount Waverley. Hello, Joe. Hi, guys. Um, I just wanted to ring in and look before last night's game, I would have thought Willie Rioli's tackle would have been a free kick in report. But, you know, according to the AFL's own definition, it can't be because the umpire has to rule on the intent these days as well. Um, so I suppose it is holding the ball now because his intent, I don't think, was to hit his head, but the umpire has to now adjudicate on that too. So I still didn't get reported, though, but it's not a free kick. Lewis Jeter it was, um, but I understand your point. If you pin the arms, the onus is on you to ensure that you don't concuss the player in in a roundabout way. So get to that point however you want. But he pinned the arms and he basically tipped him into the ground. And and so I think there is a a level of responsibility there. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a That's hard though, isn't it? That is so hard. Well, the player was standing motionless. It's a a different situation, this one. Just because he thought the whistle had blown, he stood still. And, and he was he was in such a vulnerable position. I, I, I don't know how this one will play out. I, I feel for both parties. Yeah. But when you see him jog off and collapse to the ground, oh, and Tim it's horrible. Smith. Yeah, it's oh. horrible. I just think we are so much of players for that. We've got to protect splits. the head, Bob. I, I know. I know that. And, and I know we're going to have some. We're going to have some grey area um, at times, and I think we've got to go to just the, to lean into it. Third of the side that okay, you know what? It's going to be unlucky, Lewis. It's going to yeah. cost you a week. Yeah. But we've got to protect their head because the, the the downside of that is far greater than someone missing a couple of home and away games. I agree well, they did that. it with Durden last week, didn't they? The, the absolute perfect block that we've been taught since we were six years of age. But you hit heads um, with an accident. Gary Rowan comes off concuss. It costs him a week. So if I think if Durden gets a week, then unfortunately Jetta gets a week also. Michael's on the road. Hello, Michael. Hey, gang, guys. Look, i uh, just got a couple of things. You touched on one of them, but the the goals get reviewed. We've been told uh, they get reviewed. Every goal gets reviewed. There was a goal late in the uh, West Coast Melbourne game that ball looked like it got thrown out and kicked the goal. Now, in some games, they get reviewed, and the inconsistency is across the game everywhere because if that got reviewed, they would have seen it got thrown out and that goal shouldn't have been allowed. The other one is is that incident you just spoke of. Now, if they talk about umpires looking in the game. The guy stood still, didn't move, got tackled, holding the ball. If he stood still, he it was sort of common sense that something was wrong. He should have just played the ball up or gone free kick the other way to Melbourne. I mean, uh, any way you look at it, it it's, it's just not right. Any way you look at it, the decisions are not going any way that should be. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, the, the goal review is not about whether the, the ball got thrown out or not. we Thankfully, we haven't introduced that. We don't trace it back down the passage of play to figure out what was right and what was wrong. Hey, how many closest to the pin here? How many hitouts did Sean Grigg have in the Whoa. premiership season of 2017? Oh, David? Gosh. Three. Kane? Uh, f- 17. Bob? Five. Six. Oh, oh. the other way. Oh. Yeah. 
<laughs> six hit outs. You can't. You, you can fall into six hit outs. You can unintentionally have six hit outs through the course any of the to, season. Any to advantage can we go? <laughs> hey, um, the 40 Wings series about sleep ladder updates, contrasting fortunes for the preliminary finalists out of last year. The Eagles are six and three. The Demons are three and six after last night. The Demons have the lowest percentage in the competition at 76.2. And a massive game this afternoon. Well, it was third versus fifth coming into the round, Adelaide and Brisbane. They're fourth and sixth at the moment, so there's a lot at stake. Kane, great to have you as part of it, as always. See you next week. Kane Corns with us on Crunch Time. Any size mattress for the price of a single at 40 Winks. We'll continue with the crunch and then delve deep into what Kingy thinks is the shaping rounds after the break. The award-winning Crunch Time. What the H is a deal on a Honda? Search Honda Offers to find out about our great deals. Head to Subway and try the new hot-grilled paninis. Saturday footy begins at the MCG Collingwood and St Kilda. At the Gabba, Brisbane and Adelaide. So this is a match at the pointy end of things. Then down the highway in the twilight, the cats and the dogs. And into the evening at Marvel, it's Essendon and the Dockers. While in Hobart, North Melbourne, hosts the Sydney Swans. Jared Waitley, Bob Murphy, David King with you for crunch time. The crunch for Scooty, making your trip exciting. Scooty, two-wheeled taxis. We'll delve into those games shortly. But before we do, Kingy, did you expose the loophole in 666? From what you showed on 360 on Wednesday night with the bench bolter, what have you learnt in the aftermath of that? I've learnt that it's happened sporadically through the course of the season already. And there's been evidence of... The, so the bench wingman, so the wing that's on the side of the of the bench, that, that player is always there. The other wingman on the far side, it's happened a few times this season, I've been made aware. I haven't seen that. I've been looking for it, but for whatever reason, haven't seen it. So often that player is charging on. So you get a, you get two wingmen versus one opposition player on, on the bench side of the ground and you run the risk on the other side of the ground. That's a commonality. That's been happening. Um, but we hadn't seen we hadn't seen this before. It's perfectly legal, and you can do it to as many players as you like, you know, up to a maximum of four, clearly. <laughs> yep. So I think we'll see at some point through the season, and, and a lot of teams don't forget, again, their, their year's going to be over early. You know, around 14, they're going to know their, their, their season's likely outcome. We, we may see two, three players sprint on from the bench unaccounted for, if you've got a Max Gorn, why, Ice wouldn't, hockey style. why wouldn't you be spiking it to the wing? Why wouldn't you be saying, okay, if we can just get it out that way somewhere? There's no point going forward or back because it's even numbers at, at best. Um, so I, I think we'll see – we will see some strategy come into it, even even not just for just to expose something, just to say, okay, let's have a look at it. Could, could it decide a big game is where it was my thoughts. And, and I'm I'm thinking of something – if a close final – are you brave enough to do it in a close final? You might as well lose by two goals as lose by one. So I, I think when you get to that, that, that's where it, that's where it gets really interesting. When you go down and go, okay, well, yeah, like you say, we either lose by two or we really put the cat amongst the. But people laughed at ice hockey when the the, the notion to have the goalie leave yeah, the, an yeah. empty net and come down the other end and be part of the Pulled part the of it. Yeah, the other the, trying to score a goal, trying to level the game, and, and they coughed up some easy scores against. But it doesn't matter. So when we get to a final is what I'm, what I'm just excited about now, Jared. 
Stuart Jew rang Jared Ruffhead late last year and asked him to come up to the Suns to be their Luke Hodge to play out whatever he had left and be the on-field coach. Is Jared, with his eyes wide open, said that he was going to stay at Hawthorne and see out the journey there. What is that uh, when you look into that scenario? What does it do for you? Uh, kind of not surprised that that Stuart Jew would. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there's a few of those conversations going on. I think the the intriguing question is now at round nine whether. Jared had his time again. Would he, you know, would he, would he make the move? Um, you can see why. You can see why Stewie Jew makes the call. You know, to get an experienced player, still got a bit of a bit of juice left in the tank. What about the mid-year draft? Would you would you like it to be able be capable to allow Roughhead at the midpoint of the season, given that maybe he's exhausted? The, the, at at uh, the Hawks, he's not in the senior team. There's maybe a, a mutual agreement. Hey, listen, what about I go up to the Gold Coast now? This hasn't worked out as we both wanted. Both parties were, were sinking. Start. I mean, that that's where that's where the conversation needs to go. Yeah, I, I was sort of part that's good of the, for all parties. You know, four years ago, I was I would have been in the resistance line of none of that. But now that we're we're half doing the mid season, and you know the trade free agency. Now I'm like, okay, well, if, we, if we're going to do it, let's go all in. So that's mid-season trade and then trade after the season of as long as the player's getting more money, then the clubs have the right to go, hey, we get a better deal. So you can, gotta, you're off to Fremantle. I, don't, I still can't understand why you can't do any trade you, your club wants to do yep. to a point in the season. Call it, call it the buy. Call it round 13. You can do whatever you want with your list for the first 13 weeks of the year. So if you get injuries, you can you can trade with other clubs. You can trade from other competitions. You've got to satisfy all parties and you've got to still satisfy the salary cap and, and those sorts of things. But what, why do we put why do we put all these restraints on clubs? This is a, such a competitive space. As many opportunities as you can get to allow clubs to use their intelligence as an advantage, I think allow them to. Not, and they still they've still got the same restrictions. Yeah, so so uh, and Alex Rance goes down. Why can't why can't Richmond go to Carlton and say we want Liam Jones? We think we can make him a player for us that'll allow us to win this premiership right now. And you know what? We might have to give up our first round pick at the end of the year. But we're prepared to do that today. So the club that's down the bottom of the ladder get overs because because the of the need, of the urgency of of the that acquisition. So I think when when we are all mature enough and calm enough to talk about these things, because there's a bit of there's always a bit of angst and aggravation regarding any time you talk about trading players in contract. But sometimes it's good for all parties. Where, where would the rough head situation sit? I mean, who would be unhappy with that? Yeah. So if we did have a mid-season trade that say the competition had the week, the trade window in the week, so we we finished at the end of round twelve, had a weekend off because we don't know how to do those split rounds anyway. <laughs> Um, and gave that, that eight-day window to trade and then resumed in round 13. Jared Ruffhead would be playing for the Suns in round 13. I've got no doubt about it. And, and there wouldn't be a person that would be unhappy with no, it. No. They'd wish him well. They'd all wish him well. He had the opportunity to send them out, send them off as a, as a club great. Yeah, the, the, the Mitchell thing worked. The Hodge thing's been an outrageous success. Why, why wouldn't Ruffhead work at the Suns right now? Anyway, that's... It's it's a conversation for another time. We've we've changed so much in our competition, but I just think the one advantage that we're still we're still putting clamps on is is sheer intelligence 
you know, give the clubs the keys. Let them let them do things with their list where they see holes. It will level the competition out because if you're a bottom club and you've got something that they need, you will get overs. It's worth more in season than it is in the October window. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think the mid-season draft as it is, which is going to soak up a lot of conversation, can actually have an impact on anybody's fortunes? My, oh, Other than crippling well, the state well, well, teams wait. that they're going to come out of? <laughs> I mean, we, we just have to wait and see, but just looking at the, the names available, my, my limited knowledge of it says, no, I, I don't think there's going to be a massive influence. I could, you know, I could be proved wrong on that, but that's not, that's not the feeling I'm getting. Kingy? Um, I, I just hope, I just hope it's not utilised to, 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 to be 13 weeks ahead. Yeah. Parker player. That, that would have gone likely late in the October draft that you say, listen, let's grab him now. We know he's not going to play for us this year. Let's just grab him now. And and warehouse that player knowing that you don't have to give up anything for him at the end of the season effectively. So I, I just hope that 10 clubs don't decide to do that and make those other competitions you're talking about poorer and really give that player not a great opportunity this year. What, it'd be a great experience, but so much causes so much turmoil. I hope that's not the case. If there was a mid-season trade, do you think Bryce Gibbs would be somewhere other than Adelaide in round 13? Uh, no, I don't. I don't because I think Bryce has still got so much to offer. You know, there's there's a there's a bit of a bit of a bad marriage at the moment, Jerry. But there's there's not always lost here. I mean, they're, they're going to play some significant games uh, this season, and I've got no doubt Bryce will be a, will be a part of that. You don't agree? Uh, no, I don't know. I think he'd be a target. I think there'd be six or eight clubs going, well, Bryce, you, they're clearly not that in love with you at the moment. We would be. Yeah. It'd be like, I, I could see him being sort of almost the number one source of discussion in it because he seems to have such value and for whatever reason that's not being fully utilised at the Crows, I doubt he's entirely satisfied where things are. So he'd be your sort of vulnerable target to have a little dash at. What, what about... What about Riley O'Brien at Adelaide when Sam Jacobs comes back? I mean, this is a young kid that's been around. For, he's not a young kid. He's been around four or five years, but he's shown that he can clearly play at the level. The ruck position is the one that you cannot you cannot win flags without someone who's competent. What about – let me flip that and go, what if you're a Richmond would, and you could, would you try to grab Sam Jacobs? Yeah, well, so they're the, they're the sort of discussions we need to be able to have. So what's what's the biggest roadblock for it? Is it the AFL Players Association? Yep. yep. Both or AFL one? Players Association? Yeah. Yep. And rightly so, they've got the welfare of the player and the family of the player at mind. That they don't want to uproot kids out of schools and those sorts of things. Have such movement, but you've still got to be sat- the club attaining the player still has to satisfy all parties. Can't we just put the infrastructure around that so that there's there's staff in the game whose job is to to make that relocation as smooth as possible. The player's getting more money. The, the, the club that's that's going after a Bryce or a, or a Jared Rumpet, they want that player and that family to be so happy. Yeah. They'll make it work. I, I think it's a bit of a nonsense to worry whether they're in Victoria or South Australia or West Australia. It doesn't really matter, I don't think, to the player. They still they still want to apply their trade. They still want to earn. They still want to have success. So yeah, let, let's I, I, just th- I just think the money now is at a level in the game for the players of – you you sign up to be to be drafted, or so this is this is the deal, this is the conditions. You got great great remuneration, but 
there's the chance that you could be moved. Your money's guaranteed, your tenure's guaranteed, but your location's not guaranteed. But you, may, you may get more money, and yeah. they've still got to satisfy you. Yep. So they you generally might, do. Yeah. So say the Tim Kelly thing wasn't working at all. Say it was broken, and they had the opportunity to trade him mid-year this year back to Western Australia. What are they going to get then? It would just be, it'd just be a, an amazing talking point, I reckon, the, the, the absolute movement that we'd get mid-year. The Crunch, the quickest way to leave the MCG Scooty or two-wheeled taxi. Download the app today. We will cast an eye towards the remaining games in round nine. What Kingy has labelled the shaping rounds. We'll pick the flashpoints from it. Go behind the stories with Damian Barrett and his new podcast, In the Game, every Thursday. On 1116 SEN, the award-winning Crunch Time. What the H is a deal on a Honda? Search Honda Offers to find out about our great deals. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. The shaping round, David King says, round nine. Intriguing clashes. Collingwood laid outs to Goey and Moore, replaced by Aish and Wills. Oh, Willis, I beg your pardon. And Hodges out for the Lions, replaced by Ryan Lester in the matchup against the Crows. So just give us the overall for this round, Kingy. Why are you on alert for it? Well, I just think at the end of this week, if you, if you just go the favoured ways, okay, just, just the favoured way, you'll have the Cats most likely on eight wins. Bob, can you put the guitar down, please? <laughs> you have the Pies on seven wins, and then you'll probably have GWS, the Tigers, and one of either Brisbane or Adelaide on six. Then there's some separation starting back to five. Could be a whole host of teams on five wins um, and then four. So four and five wins will probably be the next block of six or seven teams. So, so there, is, there is starting to get some separation. Then you've got the guys that are clearly stuck at the bottom, uh, whether that be Carlton, North Melbourne, Sydney, Melbourne clearly now. Can the Gold Coast find a way? We don't, we don't know the answer to that just yet, but it's going to be, going to be difficult. Um, so you're starting to get some real separation, which is a concern because you may have – those teams at the midpoint of the season, their, their year's over. So you're going to have some games we don't really want to be uh, – not going to really be attractive. But at the top of the table, you're going to get some separation this round. I've got no doubt about that um, unless something bizarre happens. I mean, we just talked about the dogs just just during the break. Then can they run it to the Cats? If they play they be- their best they can, but if they don't, the Cats will do what they always do down there and, and get the chockies. But – Brisbane and Adelaide is the game that fascinates me mm-hmm. because the, the the win for this one, I think, really – if the Brisbane Lions can find a way to get this one done, then all of a sudden they're making real strong claims for, for, for an early finals arrival, aren't they? I mean, they've been very good, but these are the sorts of games you've got to win against the Adelaide Crows who are playing some pretty good footy the last three weeks. Um, so one of these two teams is going to be on six wins. It's a flying start. So I'm waiting to see. Where do you sit with the Brisbane-Adelaide game, Bob? Have you have you seen much of either or? I've seen a fair bit of Brisbane, and I've always been impressed. They 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 took that they they missed an opportunity last week against the Dogs in, interstate Ballarat, and the, but their first half was really really good. They had the they looked far superior to the Dogs, but they Dogs were able just to hang in there, and then after half time it was just a demolition. So they they. That a little doubt for me started to creep in there, so I, I agree. It's a huge, huge game for them. I've, I've probably got more trust in Brisbane than I do Adelaide for this year. So I, you know, I, I right. think, I think, but it is. It's like we're splitting hairs. That's the game of fascination for me. And the other, the other game is tonight, and I'm doing this one with Fox, Essendon and Frio. Yeah, Frio's 
played some. They've played some pretty good footy this year. So if if they can find a way to get five and four rather than be four and five, it's just it's just they're going to be the 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 fifty fifty wins on the road are so important this year. Um, you know the bombers, the bombers could find fight their way back to four and uh, four and five. So it's a massive game. It, th- those those two games are what's going to separate. Are you are you a, are you a genuine finals performer? Or are you just going to limp around again between in no man's land, stuck between you know eighth and twelfth and thirteenth, and no one wants to be there? When you do the analysis of Essendon Frio, is one of your knocks on Essendon is the best player in the opposition gets a really good look at it? Yeah, they haven't got a they haven't got a bona fide tagger in the midfield, and they started the year with Langford trying to do some roles. Um, we've seen Myers try. We've seen we've seen little bits and pieces of of even Heppel uh, doing doing some roles. But Nate, Nate Fife, I mean that, that he just could separate the game by himself. And, and we've we say that commonly about him. But I just feel like the best midfielder for the opposition against the Bombers gets their opportunity to play at their best because there's no negating role. There's no run with type, um, and that, that's that's a fear. For the average Bombers fan going to the footy tonight, they think, oh, God, how, how are we going to compete with Fife? What, what, what has the coaching... Um, and Fife gets excited. He does. In the build-up going, yep. oh, yep, rubbing the hands together. And he's in serious form. Yep. 35-3 and three last week. It's, it's just, yeah, we know what he is, but I don't know whether the Bombers can take that off him. And we heard Adam Simpson earlier talk about Max Gorn. How do you, how do you negate that? Well, they was thinking about... You know, patches during the game where they put extra numbers around the stoppage to stem the bleeding. You can't just put extra numbers in around Nathan Fife. So at some point, he's going to have a patch in this game where he he may just he may just rip their hearts out. So that, they're the two games for me are going to tell us which teams are heading north and which teams are heading south. What do the late changes do to today at the G, Bob? So Collingwood loses Degoe and Moore replaced by James Ash. And Rupert Wills, I have pronounced that correctly now. Rupert I, Wills. I think it adds a, a level of intrigue to it that wasn't there previously, just because how important they are. They they should still win. You'd, you'd think the the pies would still be too strong, but the, the but the Saints, you know, they they do push sides. They do, you know, their their pressure's good, but I, I you know I, I wouldn't I wouldn't start to tip the Saints, not even with the juju factor, Jerry. <laughs> I don't know about the juju. What's the juju factor? Oh, that, that's a longer conversation right, than we've okay. got time for. Sorry, David. sorry, sorry. Um, look, I thought the Saints were really good last week. You know, got beaten in the end by the, the West Coast by you know, two or three goals. Um, they've, they've played. They started the year fantastic, but the bottom line is they've lost their last three to the Adelaide Crows, GWS, and the West Coast Eagles. That, that's that's the bottom line. So, if they are to contend this year in, in terms of for, for finals, we're talking about. Then, then these are these are the games they have to challenge. Got to win one against the odds, and and just get, keep the season rolling. It's no disaster if they get beaten. Collingwood are a serious team, but they've got assets. They've got ways to do it. I mean, if you if you said we can, you can take a couple of players out of the Collingwood lineup, it wouldn't be that'd be two. They'd then, be the two. They would. Mm. I mean, you, you, there are so many midfielders you could take out, but if you can take a key pillar at centre half back, and the the it's genuine match winners. the genuine match winner yeah. at full forward. It's a it's a great start. So if I'm a Saints player driving to the ground today, I'm thinking, you know what, the news just keeps on getting better. Mm, if we mm. just bring our if we can bring our best, and it's pressure and it's control with the footy, is a different Saints lineup to last year. It, but the last three weeks, 
has a little a little alarm bell ringing. If we went to the back end of the weekend, so the Giants host Carlton. I think I would make the case that Brendan Bolton's best and worst have been against the Giants. The 2017 thriller that they won by a point at Marvel was, I think that was the most emotional moment that the, the Blues have had in this time. And then last year they got beaten by 105 points when the Giants played with 16 and 17 men in the last quarter. And it was oh, yeah. it was the absolute pits. Um they come together. The Blues are a threatening one of these breakthrough wins. The Giants are coming off what Jimmy Bartell said was their worst ever performance. Um, I reckon the Twilight's got a little bit loaded into it. We expect the Giants to play with um, with the sting, don't we, that, that a miserable performance delivers. Yeah, and, the, and there's no reason Carlton shouldn't be playing with sting either. I mean, I don't understand why we, we, they wouldn't be in the same frame of mind. Um, they should be disappointed with their last – six minutes of last weekend's game in a winning position, um, have the opposition who have a seriously good team rattled um, and then succumb. Really poor the week before against North Melbourne and put a, you know, a 10-goal loss. But they, they, they'd been so competitive in patches through the season. But as Paul Roos keeps saying, if you keep stacking the losses, don't, don't stand back and talk about improvement. You've got to, you've got to start winning games. They should be seeing the Giants as a massive opportunity. This is what happened to them last week. We They are vulnerable here, here, and here. Don't let them free flow with the football. This is what Hawthorne did. Can we do that? Absolutely we can. Carl can do things without possession. We're not asking anyone to be best on ground. We're asking you to, to defend space. They can do that. They have to show up to Giants, don't they? Like they have to be. They, they didn't last week. So if they're... If they're a contender, and you know, there's, I, th- I think they are. It needs to be a really quick reversal from last week. Don't don't, don't go getting belted in this one, Carlton. Don't, don't go getting belted here because the, these they're the sort of losses, the big losses, the fifty point pluses. They've only had one of them this year, but but I'm just nervous that they're the sort of losses that bring heat. Don't forget to grab your AFL record as you head to the footy this weekend. Still just five bucks thanks to Karcher, the official 2019 partner of the AFL record. That's been the election day issue edition of Crunch Time. Do you think it's possible we just live through a weekend at Hawkeys for the last <laughs> week and a bit? Oh, what do you think? Saying? That's even yeah. vaguely possible. Big chance. It was carrying him around. <laughs> David King, Bob Murphy, Jared Waitley signing off for Crunch Time. It has been. For Honda, know what the H you're getting. Search Ask Honda and try the new hot grilled paninis at Subway.